Hello and welcome back to the Outer Internetist podcast. This is Frida and I'm your host. And as you all know, this is the podcast where you find actionable tips and tricks on how you can best manage your tenancies. Um, today's guest, um, I'm very excited to share with you uh, after quite a while of a break in my podcast releases um, due to a lot of things, mostly and mainly being business related reasons. Um, I'm now sharing this episode a little bit later than I actually planned. But uh, nevertheless, it's a fantastic episode in which I talked to uh, Robin from COP, S-I-O-P-I, a French tennis management app. The app is also available though on the App Store now in English, but you will hear about that later. And of course, you can always read about it in the description to this episode. I hope you guys all enjoy the episode. And for any questions, you can always email me to Frida at outringtinnitus.com. See you soon. Before we get into the episode, a quick word to our sponsor. Actually, we don't really have a sponsor. Well, I myself am the sponsor of this podcast. See, I've been working to make this podcast work for about two years now. Been um, releasing episodes so you guys can get the most from what I do as a tinnitus coach, helping people worldwide to live their best life despite tinnitus. And today, in my own words, my own personal ad for our new Tinnitus management platform. You can access the community management platform at www.mytinnitus.club and we have a fantastic management platform where you can access weekly videos all around the topic of managing tinnitus, um, tinnitus and cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, sleeping better with tinnitus, but you can also directly access from the membership platform events, the live events and the community live coaching sessions that we hold every few days. Another very great feature is that you have the ability to contact other members and if you set your settings uh, you can even allow other people to see whether they are near you. So you can meet up with people from your area with tinnitus and who knows maybe you're even going to make a few friends. So if you want to participate in our new tinnitus management platform go to www.mytinnitus.club you can get access for three days for free um, check out all the different topics, check out all the different possibilities to take online courses and to finally start living your best life despite tinnitus. Thank you very much for supporting the project and I'll see you there very soon. Hello and welcome to the Outering Tinnitus podcast. This is Frida and I'm your host. This podcast is all about the tinnitus science and what you can do to live a better life despite the ringing. Hey Robert, maybe you want to, in a few words, you basically um, introduce yourself and, and then maybe tell us a little bit about um, the solution that you guys come up with. I mean, um, so I'm, my name is uh, Robin Guillard. Uh, I I'm an engineer. I have been working uh, on Tinnitus uh, for four years now. Um, so I started uh, working, I was passionate with uh, neuroscience and uh, particularly my skills was to measure the brain activity with EEG and I was able to analyze the signals from EEG. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started working first uh, on a first project where we tried to, to adapt um, a technique that was uh, developed by uh, uh, Professor Nathan Weiss, that maybe you know. 
and that was uh, neurofeedback. So okay. Dr. Dr. Nathan Weiss, uh, Professor Nathan Weiss, mm -hmm. uh, in 2005, he had uh, measured that uh, potentially some uh, brain activities in the auditory cortex were linked to tinnitus. Uh, so um, he did more work and he tried a method that was called neurofeedback to try to uh, re-educate a little the, the brain uh, to, to see if it could uh, potentially um, alleviate a little the symptom. So there was a first clinical trial in 2007, another one in 2011, several other ones. So actually, actually, I think there, is, there were five or six. So when we arrived, we, we tried to, to make... Um, this uh, solution of neurofeedback available, notably um, in France, and we tried a clinical trial. So I made a clinical trial. Now it's published, mm. and um, and so it was my first uh, experience uh, on research on tinnitus, and it didn't work so much well. Uh, I would guess okay. uh, I would okay. not, uh, say that uh, some, this is something that uh, works wonderful and you should go for it because I was mitigated. There was uh, globally a positive effect, but it was a limited clinical trial. We didn't have mm. uh, randomized uh, groups and controls, so right. uh, it has the limit of this value and. Hmm. Even with this limit of this value, the, the efficacy that we could measure was not uh, that uh, great. So hmm. we, I, I, we didn't want to, to pursue a lot on these initiatives, but I stayed really passionated by the subject. So I stayed in the domain of tinnitus for a while uh, and I led uh, several more works that led me to now what we are doing now. Um, so I worked on. So uh, so this was a just just as a just as a quick quick question in between. So that was basically your absolute first um, your absolute first uh, uh, meeting, so to say, with tinnitus. The first time you really um, were working in the field of tinnitus, or the, I mean, the, the the question is maybe also a little bit more personal if you feel comfortable to answer that. But uh, is is this really the first time that you knew that tinnitus existed? Probably not, right? Or... No, I was introduced to the subject by uh, a, a very, uh, someone very important for, for me, which is uh, Dr. Alain Landero. Uh, okay. He's uh, an ENT uh, in mm -hmm. France. He's, uh, well, he's renowned internationally because he contributes yeah. to research yeah. on tinnitus. Yeah. And, uh, well, I, I met him, uh, like, like say, a little time before I started working on that. And he okay. really pushed me to, to dedicate time to work nice. on tinnitus. So, yeah. Awesome. Okay, sorry, I interrupted you early on. No, no, but, uh... I'm making the story very long now. So uh, there are many, many steps. It's four-year story. So yeah. <laughs> if you want me to shrink it a little, don't hesitate. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, please, please. Uh, I mean, it, it's always very interesting how, how things develop and how they happen. And, and I mean, we, we, we certainly have enough time. And I, I think that people are really interested in, in the stories. And I, it also gives a, a lot around a background of why people, um, or also what I also find really interesting and important that people actually see that there is so much happening in the space of tinnitus, right? It's not like people write online, we're left alone, no one does anything for us. It's not like that at all. There's people who dedicate their life like you in research and, and many other people that you mentioned already right now. And, and I think it's very important when you share of how long a story it's been for you already with tinnitus, people realize there's people who dedicate a lot of their time to the subject. Yes, but it's only four years. Some people ah, have indicated more than that. I mean, you could have uh, you you could have been in the beach somewhere, somewhere else for those four years as well, I guess. <laughs> so, 
Let me continue on this. Uh, so actually, uh, this first trial with neurofeedback, I felt like mitigated effects, but I was still really interested. And actually, I wanted to dig into more, let's say, more fundamentally, more mm. uh, understanding tinnitus and not trying to, to solve it uh, without knowing, really knowing it for, for sure. So uh, I had this uh, chance with Dr. Landero to, to meet uh, with other researchers, notably uh, Professor Derek de Rieder and uh, Professor, um, uh, sorry, a uh, professor in uh, Ireland. Uh, sure, I should know his name. Um, it would come back. Uh, we'll, we'll, so, we'll put it. We'll put it in the show notes, maybe as well. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, uh, I, I'm sorry for him because I, I shouldn't miss him. Um, it will come back. Um, and they shared with me, it was very, very nice from them, they shared with me is a, a huge database of EEG recordings that they, they have done uh, in the past years. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was 300 patients with tinnitus uh, and 300 patients that were not having tinnitus, people that perfectly fine. And uh, we, we worked with uh, actually Louis, we, which I'm working now on COP. Uh, we worked on trying to um, differentiate, uh, classify if we can measure the specific brain activity related to tinnitus, something that a lot of researchers have tried before us, but we had this chance of having this big database. And these two professors with their team, they already worked on it and they already had some first very good results. Like they had uh, ability to separate with uh, 80%, uh, let's say kind of, AUC, so it's kind of accuracy. Um, and uh, so we tried and actually we, we got exactly the same results. We, we had exactly the same 80% uh, uh, way of classifying. Okay. So it confirmed that actually that it was present, but also it confirmed that it was limited uh, because we could not go above this uh, threshold. Uh, mm. Maybe it was just because of this data set. Maybe uh, there is uh, more to be done. Maybe we did not try all the methods that were available. But still, what it made me feel is that uh, when we try to to con to, to make that tinnitus uh, is just one only big thing, and we don't consider that it's actually very heterogeneous mm, uh, yeah, in yeah. terms of a difference of how it's manifest, how it's caused, how it's right. felt, right. then uh, treating it as a whole, uh, like one group, one size fits all, very it difficult. Seems that uh, it has some limits, and yeah. this is maybe what why we we have eighty percent and we cannot go above. Yes, there are some common grounds, but if we want to go above that, we need to focus on the different particularities of each subgroups of tinnitus. So that is actually something that uh, grew me afterwards. So starting this point in time in my research, uh, I devoted uh, the time on two to, let's say, segments. Um, first is uh, working on specific subgroups. So very peculiar groups of symptoms of a very specific populations mm -hmm. and trying to, to understand or to solve the problem on these specific groups. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, uh, working on heterogeneity as a whole, because this... You, this could you give, give an example to make it that it's easiest to understand for people when you say different subgroups? Yes. Uh, for example, uh, I have been uh, trying to work on uh, this um, little syndrome, uh, tensor tympani syndrome. I have worked uh, a little on this, but now I, I'm not working a lot anymore. Okay. But uh, And also, actually, currently my PhD thesis is centered on the interactions between tinnitus and sleep. 
So I oh. know you are very interested uh, on the subject because you yeah. did already some podcast. Yeah, for uh, sure. So I'm not on the part of insomnia, which is very, very uh, worrying and uh, because uh, it's it is a huge uh, problem for a lot of people to, to fall asleep with tinnitus. But mm. I'm more working on a specific kind of people. It's not everybody, maybe it's not you, uh, that when they do a short nap uh, or they do a full night of sleep, uh, the, the sound of the tinnitus may arise a lot when they wake up. Mm. Some people, even what they have, it's very, very curious, is sometimes they wake up in the morning, they don't have tinnitus, yeah. nothing at all. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. stays like that for the whole day. And mm. if they go to sleep, the, the next morning, bam, it begins it's and it's, it's back and it's a full sound for the mm. whole day as well. And sleep mm. seems to be like a switch, like on, off. And uh, well, something very mysterious for science right now. And my thesis is centered on trying to solve this question. This is, uh, I'm working on this. I have done 70 nights of uh, polysonography now wow. uh, to try to, to solve that. And this wow. summer, this summer, I'm doing a, a new protocol with NAPS at uh, Paris, in Paris, in uh, uh -huh. Hôpital de l'Hôtel Dieu. Uh -huh. And uh, we're trying to, to measure that in the NAPS to see what exactly is starting the process. And one specific question, because I am very interested in this subject as well, uh, personally even. Um, probably you know the term NSDR, so non-sleep deep rest protocols, right? So, uh, for example, I do... There's uh, things on, on YouTube, for example, you can do yoga nidra, which is sleep yoga, which is almost nap light like states where you, I have a big difficulty napping throughout the day, right? My thoughts are all over the place. I, even when I don't have a good night's sleep, it's difficult for me to nap. I can't lie down and just nap and switch off. So what I do and what I also recommend to people a lot is I think they call it, and there's this fantastic science podcast as well from uh, Andrew Huberman, Huberman Lab. It's a very nice podcast that I really enjoy. Um, and he talks a lot about NSTR, so non-sleep deep rest protocols, which is basically you going in the four stages of sleep in order to get rest, right? So you go into this like almost dreamlike, pre-dreamlike pre or dreamlike state, and you just like shimmer away for 10, 20 minutes, and afterwards you feel completely different. So you're, it's basically like a reset for your nervous system a bit. And I wonder that um, probably that, you know, when, when you get tinnitus and you, you're very, you haven't slept well and there's a lot of stress going on, your day is difficult. And of course, we know that throughout the day, we have different cycles, right? Where we feel more awake and more asleep and we feel more sleepy, we have more energy, less energy and so on. And especially I feel like in the afternoon, right? When you have that first dip after lunch, most specifically yes. or yes. or between that time and when you do then like a protocol where you really reset that um i have heard from people that they tell me that their tinnitus goes down after that when they yes. feel like the tinnitus is higher yes some people i do agree <laughs> not all I do agree. not okay. all not all yeah. actually yeah, yeah. yeah uh, i have run some uh, like uh, epidemiological uh, data uh, on mm. this specific question and yes it's completely different people some people mm. it's good for them to have a little nap it uh, helps to to bring it down i, I believe maybe with um, kind of uh, somatosensory uh, tinnitus with uh, when they are stressed and there is a jaw clenching mm. maybe having a good uh, nap Relaxing. helps to relax a little and right. yes they feel better after that for so, sure yes mm. but some other people they fear to go to to make a nap they are really fearing it they don't wow. want to do it because if they do it it's like a sanction it's bath it starts wow 
And so Crazy. this is why we, we try to, to work on this. That's very interesting. Eh? That's, that's very, I've, I've haven't heard of that so much. I've heard a lot about people that uh, manage to, through meditation, through getting some rest, to manage to bring the tinnitus down a bit. I haven't heard so much about the other side, but it's fantastic. Oh, very oh, interesting. So let me try with one very story that comes a lot along. Is the story of uh, you're coming from the office in the, in the evening. You are very, very uh, tired and yeah. you go and you watch TV and you are yeah. on your couch and uh, you, you just fall asleep for one, two minutes and you just be in front of the TV and you're on mm. the couch and then, paf, the TV starts rising a lot. This story comes back a lot, a lot. And actually, yeah, I'm even uh, questioning if there is a question of position, maybe, of the neck, of the muscles ah. that might be implied in this phenomenon. So, mm. yeah, this is part of uh, the thing that we are investigating. Okay, right. that's uh, very interesting. But this is um, your research-focused work at the moment. Um, but PhD. you do a lot more. Uh, I, I try to do the PhD and this other project, which yeah. is more on the heterogeneity of tinnitus. Okay. So what I try with the PhD is trying solving this question for specific tinnitus populations. And I know it will take time. I can do my own contribution and lots of people are doing other contributions on other specific subtypes. Right. And some people like what they are doing in the Unity project, on the EZIT project, they are trying to solve the more the question of heterogeneity, knowing which kind of subtypes of tinnitus may exist. And, uh, and they're trying then to maybe say, oh, for this kind of type of symptoms, types of uh, etiologies of tinnitus, maybe this uh, approach uh, of uh, solution of therapeutic may be the best for, for you. Uh, mm. This kind of, uh, um, let's say, how to orient the, the patient uh, in the good direction uh, from knowing his kind of subtype of tinnitus. Uh, I, I'm, my English is not that good for, for explaining this, but uh, this is what uh, we are trying to, to address. Okay. And uh, so on this, uh, well, in France, we... Uh, for now, we have not been so much involved uh, with uh, this uh, great European project uh, of um, mm -hmm. Unity and mm -hmm. visit. And uh, well, I wanted to 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 try to to be closer with them. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so this project, Shopee, uh, it started with uh, the will to contribute to this project and also to have kind of a mutual aid uh, com community uh, of Fortinitus, okay. because. What happens currently is a lot of people uh, that have consulted a lot of practitioners in, in their experience in their life, and maybe they have not yet fully found something that uh, really helps them on a daily basis. So often what we find is they gather on uh, Facebook groups or, or forums. Uh, there are good forums, but Facebook groups uh, is uh, well, Facebook is not caring a lot about tinnitus, so it's just uh, the way it is. And uh, on these groups, Every type of tinnitus are all put uh, together. And, yeah, uh, terrible. Yeah. So there are many drawbacks. First, yeah. maybe it's a drawback of uh, there are a lot of negative energy that may appear on these Facebook groups that is yeah. bringing people down. Yeah. And on the other side, uh, yeah. some people, they make very good testimonies. They say, I tried this. It's, it's helping Works me. Works me. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm. But on the other hand, uh, if this guy, he has totally different type of tinnitus as yours, what help will it bring to you? 
Uh, Absolutely. I, I 100% agree. I see that every day on Facebook. Someone posts something, the rest jumps afterwards. And then a week later, the post is full with comments of people who said, bullshit didn't work for me. And I'm trying to say like, guys, everyone's so different. There's so many different reasons and factors. So that's something that you trying to bring into yes. account in yours. Uh, yes. I, I mean, exactly. what, would the, what, what would be the English term again? Do you, you said in, in French, you say C-O-P. With the English yes. term, Sayopai? Sayopai is... Sayopai. Okay. It's it's coming from the Greek, Sayopai, uh, which is silence. Which wow, is classic, nice. Classic I like for, that. For I like um, that. All right. So, Sayopai then. Um, well, on Sayopai, what we try to do is we try to match people according to the similarity of their symptoms. Uh, this is the whole concept. So uh, you can see actually people that are exactly in the same situation as yours, same symptoms, same way of reacting to it. And yeah. uh, you can try to see what he or she has tried as uh, solutions for helping coping with tinnitus. And you can see what he worked for him, what didn't work for him. And this way you are helped because what we, we see a lot in tinnitus uh, I don't know if it's a very uh, broadened word, but uh, medical wandering, uh, mm, seeing a yeah, lot of doctors, sure. yeah, testing yeah. a lot of solutions, uh, yeah. and, and spending a lot of money, a actually. lot of money, yeah, on, on treatments. And yeah. uh, what I always say is that if a project like ours, it helps to reduce from ten solutions tried to three or four, and you are better, I would be very, very glad. Yeah, one hundred percent. Voilà. Yeah. So yeah. this is yeah. the um, Then to describe a little more what is inside. Yes, please, um, please. When you, it's a free uh, app. Uh, it was uh, launched since, uh, thanks to a, a funding of a foundation, which is a, a funding uh, that I received, which is Fondation Lopez Loretta. And uh, this prize, it, uh, so it's, it's free for that. And uh, when you register, uh, you, you, complete a medical questionnaire. So it's health data. So we have to, to protect this data with GPDR and everything. And this is work, but we, we take care of that. Yeah. And uh, this medical questionnaire, it uh, enables to, to see what is your profile of symptoms. And mm. as everyone that enters the app completes the same questionnaire, we are able to make uh, an algorithm work to match you with, uh, your, with people that have the same profiles nice. as yours. And um, this way you can find who are the people. So you see, oh, this guy, he has 85% uh, similarity of symptoms as, my, uh, as mine. And I see that he has done three testimonies on different uh, solutions that he has tried. Oh, this one, he, he, uh, he helped, it helped him. So uh, maybe I will try the same. Voilà. So this is the idea of uh, the, the main community uh, that uh -huh. we are trying to uh -huh. build. Okay, and 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 when I let's say I do the questionnaire, I, I sign up, um, I get matched, so to say, and then what do I do? So I can look at the other profiles from the other people that are very similar, and and, and then I can interact with them and and talk to them, or is it a forum-based yes. approach? So just for the the people uh, to understand it a little better. 
Yes, uh, so you can see, you can read the testimonies and you can comment uh, on the testimonies to exchange with, okay. with the people. Okay. Uh, you can ask for, for more testimonies. There is not uh, yet the logic of uh, the forum where we can do free posts, but uh, right. maybe uh, that will come when we advance uh, more. Sure. Um, what I want to, to add is you have another tab in, in the app where we have tried to list all the, the solutions that uh, the patient reported they tried. We have mm. more than 100 of them. And wow, on yeah. each, each category of uh, solution, we, we, we map all the testimonies that are linked to it. So you can see for hearing aids, you can see for osteopathy, you can see for melatonin, you can see for every actually uh, solution that people tried. It's reported, it's like it's sort of database of testimonies. It's, uh, mm. it's well classified. And you can see which testimonies are from people that have the same symptoms as yours again. So this, this is a whole set of information that we want to try to do. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I, I, um, I talked to um, the, the, the special guy from your marketing team last week that I found very, very interesting that you guys came up with this, this approach because uh, sure, as you mentioned before, there's uh, so much going on, especially in the more negative tinnitus for talk forums um, where people might post something and then another person might post something different. So then people go from an MRI scan to a herbal remedy to uh, back to the ENT and then to get uh, very expensive uh, hearing aids for sound therapy, where arguably sound therapy, in my opinion, does not always have to be done with hearing aids. There's other ways to do sound therapy as well, but that's just my personal opinion. Uh, of course, when uh, people uh, go to an audiologist that's trained in sound therapy for tinnitus, that's of course, um, that's of course a, 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 a solution that I don't want to discount. But what I do want to discount is that sometimes people are sold solutions that are a bit too expensive for their actual budgetary uh, possibilities, right? Especially in other countries of this world. Let's maybe rather, if you look to to the US, and maybe not so much in in Europe, but uh, at the US, in the US especially. Yes, uh, yes, I saw some reviews uh, about that, and yes, uh, yeah, it, it is a lot of uh, money spent on, on these treatments. But what I wanted also to say is, uh, we are not uh, replacing the, the doctor. It's no, very sure. important yeah, that the first sure. reflex is you should yeah. check with the ENT doctor to, absolutely to be sure that you don't have something that that needs an urgent solution. And uh, yeah. what so. It's, it's more for yeah. people that have already went through this process and that when want to, to find an information about what is possible, yeah. uh, some solutions needs to be approved by a doctor to, to, sure. to be used. So it's for important sure. to, to still be in the contact with doctors. You're 100% right. And sometimes maybe that doesn't get it mentioned enough on the podcast because um, usually I just assume that people have done all these rounds, you know. So the usual person I talk to or the usual person who comes into the community, they have often done all these steps already but of course um, if you're listening to this um, on whatever platform uh, and you're experiencing tinnitus and you haven't gotten checked out by your GP or your ENT or a specialist in that case um, please do so because it's extremely important it's very very um, uh, unlikely that something more dangerous is behind it but it's nevertheless very important to get it checked out to make sure that there is no other underlying cause for the tinnitus. Um, so thank you for reminding us of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's important. So yeah, 
in France, uh, we, we launched this project, this project with uh, the official partnership with the main tinnitus patient association, France oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we try also to, to get closer to doctors to be well advised on how to, to make this. I think that this needs to be uh, well secured and well, uh, mm. say, this is why we, we still need to, to be with uh, ENTs and with researchers to, to mm. be sure that we are not losing focus. <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, mm. All right. Uh, and now what I wanted also to say, very important, is actually uh, all the data that are collected uh, on SOPI will be used for making research advance on tinnitus. Uh, we, we swore an oath, we are, have an ethical pledge uh, on uh, COP is that uh, datas are anonymized. They won't uh, be sold uh, to any private party. Uh, it will be only used nice. for public research. And uh, this is what we started already. We, we have work ongoing. I can, work, I can talk a lot about this as well, if you want. <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, we are trying Please to make... Uh, okay, oh yeah, <laughs> with pleasure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Very interested. We'll be right back to the episode in just a few moments. I want to give out another shout to our Tinnitus membership online community. At www.mytinnitus.club, you can access a vast catalog of resources that will help you to manage your tinnitus the best way possible. You can find resources on tinnitus management, tinnitus for sleep, tinnitus and stress, tinnitus and the best mindset that you should be in in order to tackle tinnitus-related issues. And you can access all that content, uh, get to know new members of the community, join our exclusive club for as little as $14.99 per month. You support the cause of what I do and you get exclusive access to so many different things that will help you to get a completely new approach to your tinnitus. So I will see you all at www.mytinnitus.club. And now let's get back into the episode. Uh, all right, so let's. Uh, oh, so, there are, so there are two actually research topics uh, ongoing uh, with what we collect on Shopee. So the first uh, is the logic of the matching between patients. So how do we calculate the degree of similarity between profiles, uh, symptom profiles? And the other is more research is more broadened is uh, the subtypes of tinnitus and what we call the, the clustering of uh, tinnitus patients. Mm -hmm. So uh, when we take a huge data set of patients, uh, if we can find two subgroups uh, according to their datas, which can be just questionnaires, or maybe it can be more elaborate when, when people are doing the biobanks, they are also having some blood samples, they're having some audiometric tests. So sure. these approaches, they go far beyond what we can expect to do just with questionnaires but still so um what we have in france is uh, we are working with a, a doctor which is dr vincent Loche, and uh, he has done he has done a great great work because in his practice as a practitioner as a ent he he has collected uh, for 12 years uh, all the questionnaires of his patients and he wow. has manually entered them on uh, his computer. Wow. So we have the records of 3,700 patients uh, from him. And we, we worked on this data set and this data set, it is precious because not only every people answer to the same questionnaire, 
but the doctor, when he knows what is a diagnostic for this patient, he also puts the diagnostic. So we know who has a norinoma, who has uh, he drops, uh, high drops, I don't know how to, to say it. Uh, and we know who has uh, a station dysfunction, who has uh, autosclerosis. So this, um, this is very, very interesting for us uh, on research because um, Tintus heterogeneity problem, I believe actually that it's a partially solved problem. Because yes, subjective tinnitus that we cannot diagnose, it's a lot of patients. It's actually in this data set, it's 88% of the data set, which is not uh, with a real diagnostic. Uh, but uh, when you, uh, let's say 88% uh, where it's not a very known case, such as a neurinoma, autosclerosis, etc. Mm. And uh, we, it's important that, uh, to understand that uh, the data set is partially um, labeled. We know for a portion of the data set uh, what is the type of tinnitus they have. And this is very important because uh, we go from a problem that is what we call non-supervised, where we have no clue about how the data is organized, mm. to a problem which is semi-supervised, where mm. we know partially the answer. Mm. And it can help some algorithms to work and sort this whole uh, set of points, this set of datas. And this is what we tried to do uh, regarding to our place in this state of the art. We, we included this knowledge of the partially solved problem. And this is why our work is a little new compared to what is already existing. Um. Um, so what we did uh, is with uh, my colleague, Adam Essas, we at uh, Siopi, uh, we computed uh, clustering algorithms on this data set of 3,700 patients, knowing partially uh, the diagnosis. And we could currently, we, we found that uh, the separation is optimal uh, according to mathematical criteria that we defined. Uh, it's optimal for 16 or 18 clusters. It's, uh, it's not decided because we, there is a final step that we are working on, which is that uh, some experts, ENTs, are going to review the clustering and they are going to validate uh, the clinical reality according to, to this. So yeah, we have some very good results regarding to what has been published before. We, we have on the same uh, measures, uh, some improvements. So we are quite positive on this. So yeah, uh, and in this, so you have 16, uh, 18 clusters. So some clusters are really centers on high drops on autosclerosis, which we know. And some clusters that are etiologies, uh, maybe of tinnitus, no, etiologies maybe is not a good, good word. Maybe it's more subgroup of tinnitus uh, that is on common traits. And maybe it's uh, tinnitus uh, linked with uh, hyperacusis. Maybe it's tinnitus linked with uh, huge uh, somatosensory modulations, mm -hmm. uh, this kind of things. And mm -hmm. you have each of the different subgroups. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a that's a lot, but a, a very interesting lot, I would say. Especially because I think um, we underestimate, right, with so many different reasons or even combination of reasons why people experience tinnitus. That the amount of like when we, for example, compare it to coronavirus, that I mean, yeah, can mutate and so on and so forth. But in 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 essence, if you have a mutation of the virus, you still have a variant, and you say the variant is this, 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 and this, and then we observe what it does in people, and then in the one person it does this, and this, and the other person does that. But eventually, we know, okay, in ninety percent of the people it does this, and in nine, in eighty percent of the cases it does this, blah blah blah. And for tinnitus, 
where you basically have all these different variants with all these different other causes coming around. You probably, I mean, this is, uh, please correct me because I know this is uh, scientifically probably not very uh, elaborate what I'm doing right now. I'm just trying to metaphorize it for the people who are listening and to say why it is so important that or, or why you need such big data set, sets probably in order to understand subgroups of tinnitus better or to also understand how they relate to each other why for example the one person experiences this in combination with that and their tinnitus changes accordingly and the other person has a completely different experience and I, I guess that's one of the 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 approaches that I mean you guys also have with a solution and computing the different data sets into looking at how these different things um, uh, work with each other because I guess 50 years ago when someone collects thousands of data sets they would not have the possibility to evaluate it as well as you have now with the modern computational techniques yes. am i am i right with this or is this uh, completely yeah no no exactly i think that it's a uh, it's a well um, the initial data set had uh, 273 columns uh, something like that wow. and uh, we narrowed that we narrowed it down to 43 uh, different columns for each patient so wow. Uh, in terms of information, when you see that it's uh, 3,000 data for of uh, for 40 columns, it's mm. a lot to to take in the mind. Yeah. So yes, it's better that uh, it's a machine that is working it out. Sure. Uh, and so yes, now we have uh, some machine learning techniques that are well known and that uh, can be applied to this. And it's we are not absolutely not the first to try to to do that. Some very interesting work has been done before us. Um, what we just bring more is. Uh, intuition that oh yeah maybe we can use it in a semi-supervised fashion instead of just fully unsupervised and this way actually uh, the, the possibility to to add this uh, amount of information uh, of uh, some methodologies that we know already on Tintus uh, what it brings is that it's uh, it's enabling us to to have a metric to, to measure the, the performance, uh, the skill of the algorithm to do a good clustering. And this way we could try several uh, combinations of algorithms and we can benchmark. We can say, oh, this one is performing better than this one to find uh, the etiologies that are already known. Uh, this is how we, we proceed it. Mm, nice. All right, so it's very technical now. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so to go from technicality again to from what people could benefit from uh, yes. COPI, um, maybe we can go back a little bit. Maybe you can talk a bit, little bit about the people who have been on your project, what the feedback has been, and maybe you can yes. share some some insights from that. Just just to conclude on how, yes, what does this work okay. uh, helped for, for and sure. then I return to this question. Perfect. Uh, I would say that our work to find the best clusters possible as well as what other uh, work have been done in the same domain is trying to identify homogeneous groups of patients. And it's very, very important for our domain because when you do drug testing, when you try to, to do any kind of therapeutic test for tinnitus, you want to select a homogeneous population so that you don't have heterogeneity in the results of your test. Mm. And lots of very, very good in initiatives uh, in our domain of tinnitus of clinical trials 
they were with not so good results because they could not select a homogeneous group of patients. I experienced it as well, so I know. You mean just just for the technicalities of it, because maybe not everyone understands the difference between homogeneous and heterogeneous. Um, you're talking about groups that are similar in pre. I, I mean similar in age group, uh, sex, and so on and so forth, or what does- More than that. Okay. More, More than, than that, that. Because, okay. because imagine, that, uh, imagine that you choose the inclusion and non-inclusion criteria of your study, yeah. and they are very broad, and you include people that have something that is in the, a problem of the middle ear, something that ah. is a problem of the okay. auditory nerve, and okay. someone that has a pulsative tinnitus, and, and, because right. maybe you make something okay. very broad. If you do that and you say you test the same drug on all these people, it's yeah. normal that you observe different results and everything Absolutely. is not working out uh, very sure. well. Sure. If you select very uh, specific groups where you have good clues that maybe the, pat the physiopathology is the same, right. then it has more chances to perform well. Okay. I, I won't say that the groups that we find with, with our type of solution of clustering is linked to very specific physiopathologies, mm -hmm. but maybe it's getting closer to that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I would stay a little uh, cautious about what I'm saying. Right. It's helping at least. Right. Right. All right. Right. So right. I mean, I come back. very, 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 very important distinction to make, right? To especially understand going back again to the different groups of tinnitus in order to evaluate a certain treatment or a certain approach towards helping those people should not be tested or, well, maybe should be tested sometimes among large groups because maybe another group also benefits. But mostly, if you have a very targeted approach, it should be tested within that specific, specific subgroup. Groups. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Just to make that... Yeah. So sometimes it gets a little bit technical, but I guess that this is what this podcast is there for. And, uh, and for, for people to also come to the level of uh, the researchers and the scientists to do the actual work in the field. So here you go, guys. There you have it. <laughs> I tried to explain my best because uh, it's uh, explaining with uh, poor English words. <laughs> no, it was very good. I, I, I got it. I got it. And I think everyone's listening also also could understand it. So thanks very much for, for explaining. Yes. Uh, so maybe I can come back to your other questions about uh, our initiative. Uh, mm. So, yes. Uh, so for now, it's it's going well. Uh, we we launched uh, the first version of CIOP. Um, I, I want to say CIOP. I, I prefer because it's closer to French. Uh, cool. So um, we launched it uh, last June. And now we have uh, more than 1,000 users uh, wow. on it. Uh, so people uh, certainly got uh, some interest. Nice. And um, so we had quite good reviews. We, we tried to really um, make the project uh, in, uh, let's say, hand in hand uh, with the patients. So before even we started to make the application, uh, we did a lot of interviews with patients. So to confirm that there was a need, then we do we did a draft of the app, uh, so two rounds of draft to be sure exactly what we need to do in the app. And then only we, we, we started doing it. It was uh, last January. And okay. uh, so currently, I think the, all in all, it was 108 ATM interviews with Tintus patients just to wow. understand exactly what is the need and how we can improve a little what we do inside the app. 
So yeah, well, there is still a lot of room for improvements, but uh, now it's uh, maybe I think it can be useful for people. That's awesome. That's very, very great. I love the fact that you have it so uh, uh, people-centered. So if you said you had so many interviews, that uh, sounds like a lot of work in itself. So you really have been able to sort of uh, aim to build your solution as close to the people who are actually using it as possible, which is not always the case. And I, I, I am coming back to to my own solution. I'm thinking I should... Should uh, I, I, I regularly uh, conduct questionnaires and ask people what new features and content and what they would like and would look for? But um, yeah, it's, it's just like a nice point for me to also encourage the listeners and to ask people of what they would actually like to have uh, on this podcast or in the community that, that, that I manage as well. That's a very, very cool very cool uh, approach, yeah, for sure. It has to only, be. Not only it's important to, to ask a lot uh, how the, the patients who would want uh, yeah. the app to, to go, but also it's important to have methodology uh, to, to in the way we ask uh, people. Because if you ask questions uh, and you, let's say, you have a hints inside your head and you orient a little your question in a certain direction, you can influence the answers. So it's very important to have to some... I don't know how to say it, but uh, right. to be a little far to away, to be neutral, from... neutral, neutral, and yeah, to yeah. to not instill any any kind of bias or something like that. Probably, maybe you would say try, we try maybe. to do that. Okay, yeah, I get it. Okay, nice. And uh, so, what are your your? I mean, this, this is very interesting already. And what have been some of your? So, have people already um, been able to give you some feedback on? Oh, I tried this thing that that one person tried, and it has worked for me as well. And that was a great success story. Or are you still in the very early trials where people no, get no, on they and they? Yeah, they were. Uh, so nice. yeah, I have. Awesome. A, I remember I had this on the phone a uh, 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 quite old man. Uh, that it was a. Uh, I see he was 85 wow. <laughs> and he used uh, our app. Uh, he, he was, uh, so yeah, now, now actually everyone can uh, can use uh, app on smartphones. So nice. yeah, so he tried it and uh, he saw uh, some uh, new solution for, it was, it was, I think, uh, so I don't want to make promotions, uh, but uh, it was a sound app uh, that is free uh, that uh, you can use maybe to go to sleep with uh, soothing sounds. Mm. And uh, well, he didn't know about this because he's not Used to do to do a lot of uh, ads in yeah, applications, for sure. For sure. and uh, he tried it and he liked it a lot, and so now he uses to to get to, to go to sleep with it. So yeah, maybe uh, this is kind of uh, very good stories that we have uh, on mm. daily basis. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's fantastic. I I love that a lot. You know, because people can also positively influence each other instead of. Uh, negatively downbeating of how much is going wrong and how much yeah. is not actually working and, and and just turning the whole thing around and doing it exactly the other way. I think that's that's a that's a great approach, right? You know, to focus on the positive thing. It's sort of also a mindset question, right? Is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? Um, which, way, which way do you want to approach it? Of course, it's not always that easy and there's probably a lot more um, a, a lot more difficulty in that than, than just saying either you're negative or you're positive and there's probably a lot of in-between but uh, in general, you know, just turning it around and saying, let's focus on what we can do instead of what we can't do. Um, 
on this topic because I agree with you, Frido. Um, lots and lots of people said that on some forums that they are on, there is a lot of negativity and a lot of uh, like shared distress, which is bringing people down. Uh, some people need help, so we need to bring some some help. But still, uh, it may have uh, not so good effects as well. So what we try to do uh, in the app is on the architecture. Uh, we some people might feel might feel it is limiting uh, the the way of expression, but it's really to to enforce a little the positivity. So when you have your profile, what you are advised to do is to make testimonies, and when you do testimonies, you say uh, how much it worked for you, uh, and when you do your testimonies. Um, well, it's first it's ordered from what worked best to what worked less. So people, when they go to the profile, they see sure. what is working best and which sure. is the positive thing. Sure. And also, uh, well, we don't have this opportunity to make like, totally free posts that might go in, into something that is about, uh, well, something that is uh, uh, not the positivity that uh, we want to uh, encourage. But actually, it's still a very tough choice. Uh, should we do this uh, functionality or should we not? What is uh, the important? Uh, it's still an ongoing question, but we, we try to do our best to, to enforce uh, this positive energy. You know, I've been thinking about exactly that question a lot as well. Um, and I find a relatively easy answer, at least for my communities, and, and the relatively easy answer is that if someone has a well-founded negative experience with reason, then I more than welcome it, especially if it's phrased in a way of a question, and that could be answered by myself or by other people, um, and then negative kind of feedback or a negative experience uh, is per perfectly fine because it can elevate the conversation. It can instill um, support from other people. But if someone is just there to rant and publish uh, bad thoughts and bad emotions and just let off some steam, then I often say to that person, you know what, don't you think you might want to reframe this um, reformulate it either as a question that other people can participate in and learn from um, because surely you're simply looking for some kind of attention, um, but it might be more fruitful for everyone um, if you rephrase it a little bit. So, you know, for me, it's, it's, I've, I've found it in a way that if it's not dogmatic and not basically using strong language and basically not giving any benefit to anyone, then I say to the person, please, this is not the right page to publish something like this. But if there is um, really a, a, you know, an experience behind it, a, a question that's formulated for the rest of the community, maybe also saying, hey, Frida, I'm having this difficulty with um, when I wake up in, at, at 3 a.m. in the morning and I hear my tinnitus and I just cannot go back to sleep. Can you give any kind of, then I can say, oh yeah, look, like I have, um, I have talked about this here and there, and maybe you want to try this and try that. And then other people can also, what do you guys think? Right. So and a conversation unfolds and that person might even feel like, oh yeah, I've got the same experience and, you know, shared difficulties are a little bit less difficult then. So I think that this is the way that I want to approach it. But I know that in a, in a community, which is more managed by, maybe, I mean, how do you say it? Not an algorithm, but more by, by rating systems, basically. Maybe, yes, like an algorithm. It's probably a bit more difficult how to cluster it, I guess. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, can... 
Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I think uh, with current methods, even with, with uh, you know, on Facebook, uh, on very big uh, social networks, they, they don't really succeed in, in saying what is uh, something that should be allowed, something that should not be allowed. Mm. It's a very difficult qu question. I, I, mm. I don't think we are really at all good at this level. So uh, mm. we try to, to protect a little uh, so the ambience because then... Mm -hmm. The other thing is moderation, uh, to be able to be present on, on the platform and see what is going on and try to, uh, to, to alleviate a little where people maybe are um, not, it's hard for me to, to, to explain, uh, but this is our way to try to, to solve this issue, which is so hard and which needs a lot of attention. So, mm. Mm. well, maybe we're going to try to do better in the future, but mm -hmm. for now, this is how we, we try to solve it. Mm. I have another, I mean, and this is probably pretty positive news. Um, and let's see whether you can confirm it. But I heard last week that you guys are also working on, or not even only working on an English version, but you're actually already publishing an English version of the app of uh, COP. Is that yes. correct? Yes. It has been uh, three weeks that he has been uh, on. Uh, so now it's operational and people, yeah, yeah people from all across the world, I hope, uh, can use it uh, in an English version. So we have French and English for now. And uh, you should be able to, depending on the country you are in, it should be automatically in the good language. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's that's fantastic. So people can simply go to the App Store. On which uh, platforms is it available so far? Both. Uh, it's both. Uh, iPhone and Android. Uh, yeah, mm. and it's for free. Awesome. That is fantastic. So people check it out. And... Um, the, it's S-I-O-P-I, and you can check it out on the Android App Store, so on the Google Play Store, as well as on the App Store for Apple and iOS devices, I guess. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Fantastic. That is so great. Um, I wanted to ask you also, um, is, there, is there anything you can recommend for people to download the app for the first time? And, and is there anything in particular that you're looking for that, um, that you particular kind of groups of people that you're inviting to participate in using the app at the moment or just oh, no, pretty it, much anyone who wants to? Uh, actually, uh, yeah, it's dealing with Titus heterogeneity. So we are welcoming everyone because everyone will have sure. a match. Sure, sure, <laughs> so sure. no barrier on that. Uh, but for people that download the app, uh, I would ask them to take the time to answer well to the initial questionnaire because, uh, well, for us to be able to match you with people that have the mm. same Tintus as you, mm. we need uh, actually information. It's anonymized. It won't sure. be uh, sold to anyone. It's for public research only. And uh, but take the time to, to answer carefully and to read everything. Uh, I know it can take like several minutes, uh, but it's important that uh, for us to, to make the, the job well and to be advising you to, to put you in contact with people that are really like you, then it's important that you answer to carefully to these questions. Yeah. So, yeah. Type of questions being like uh, the laterality of your tinnitus, if it's varying uh, over time, if uh, what treatments you maybe you have already tried, uh, what uh, what is your pain in the jaw, what is uh, your pain in the ear, if you have a sleep problem, uh, these kind of uh, questions. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's great. So people um, should definitely be encouraged to check it out. I will for sure share it on um, my community because I think the bigger um, the bigger uh, applications such as Serpi or COP get, the more uh, 
benefit we have in future also and uh, recording the data safety i mean i can just add we're here in europe um there's very few places or regions on the earth where your um, especially medical data is as protected as here i know that if you do get a medical certification um for your application or if you do get a certification for storing medical data um from your projects that is such a big mission here i've worked for a startup in berlin uh, mimi hearing technologies um, and we, we do know quite a little bit about that as well. So I, I can actually encourage everyone um, that uh, the data is absolutely more than safe. And there might just be that just one match for you that uh, shows you a new approach to your tinnitus. It's fantastic. Very great. And uh, maybe also, uh, if you are in uh, Paris, uh, for the ones that are listening, um, yeah. if you are in Paris and you have a tinnitus where we have you have a very strong modulations with naps or with uh, short uh, sleep uh, episodes, then uh, don't hesitate to. <laughs> um, I don't know how uh, I could maybe give you um, my uh, email address for this clinical trial, but you're welcome to participate, and uh, we'll be very pleased to to meet you and to make you a part of the clinical trial. So, uh, it's fully uh, non-dangerous, it's observational data. So mm, yeah. uh, observational clinical trials. So mm. we are just measuring the sleep of people and trying to see what is uh, in increasing the level of the tinnitus Voilà, for the research. Absolutely, we can uh, we can more than definitely put that in the show notes. So if anyone's in, in Paris and wants to participate in your trial, then uh, we can just uh, simply put that in the show notes for people to be aware that they can participate in in the help for science. Uh, how long until you're done with your with your with that study objective, more or less? Yeah, uh, so we start in mid June and okay. it will be ongoing until the second week of September. So it's a oh, wow. summer mm -hmm. trial. Okay, so still a bit still a bit to go. For the project, <laughs> yeah, no, for 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 the clinical trial, yes, uh, there is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Okay, well, um, I just wanted to thank you so much already, um, Robin, for coming on today and sharing um, these very, very interesting and fantastic insights, not only into your professional and academic career, but also onto this community project that you guys have created with Siopi uh, uh, or COP. I also like COP better, actually. Siopi sounds too American, so I like COP. Uh, COP right. is actually nice. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. COP <laughs> is nice. Um, no, but, but really, thank you very much for, for coming on and, and sharing um, everything that you do. I think also, and I say that to pretty much everyone who comes onto this podcast, that I really appreciate your work, your devotion to the topic of tinnitus, that you devote your professional and I probably guess also a chunk of your private life to this uh, undertaking as we all do and um, so thank you thank you thank you so much for that thank you a lot also for what you are doing with your podcast it's a very it's a very good one thank you a lot thank you and um, if you want to you can now uh, do you have any any final things that you would like to say to the listeners out there any suggestions any any kind of uh, encouragements that you could give to people i mean people know where to where to find you you can uh, download the uh, cop app on the um, android play store or the apple ios store and uh, take it from there but anything else you would like to share with the people who are listening today Yes, maybe I have this uh, thought for these people that I'm really narrowing down on my PhD for uh, sleep and tinnitus that uh, okay. people are working on it because 
yeah. lots of people uh, that have this very specific symptom with the naps, they are mm. seeing doctors, ENTs, mm. and no one mm. is taking them seriously on, on mm. this, but it's a clinical reality. And mm. now mm. some people are trying to work on it. Fantastic. <laughs> Awesome. I will definitely, I will definitely keep that in mind, and I will put um, all the necessary information in the show notes for that. So, Robin, thank you so much for coming on today, and um, we'll keep in, in touch and uh, probably have you on soon again. Thank you a lot, Peter. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Outring Tinnitus podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it and it helps you on your way towards your best life despite tinnitus. If you'd like access to our exclusive online tinnitus membership community where you can access weekly videos, tons of content around the topics of tinnitus and sleep, acceptance and commitment, and how cognitive behavioral therapy can help you to finally break the vicious cycle of suffering from your tinnitus. Yeah, just really build your best life despite tinnitus. Then please head over to www.mytinnitus.club where we have weekly events. You have the possibility to engage with other members, share your progress throughout taking courses of the Outring Tinnitus online coach program and really start living your best life again. Check it out under www.mytinnitus.club and I'll see you in the next podcast episode. Thank you very much for listening to the Outring Tinnitus podcast. I am looking forward to also welcome you on my website at outringtinnitus.com or if you have any questions, please mail to frida at See you next time.